0: the window on the world an international press review by the european democratic party bringing you weekly news and commentaries that matter hello again and welcome to the 10th episode of the window on the world today is friday 13th of may and in this podcast you will find out more about the cost of post-conflict reconstruction in ukraine the disruption of russian gas flowing through ukraine the meeting between Italian Prime Minister Draghi and US President Biden, and of Macron's proposal for the creation of a European political community. And as always, we will present you with the best editorials and opinion pieces on Macron's speech to the European Parliament and the debate around the possible overturning of Roe versus Wade in the US. And now, let's dive right into the most important news of the week. The first update of the day is on the war in Ukraine and the cost of its reconstruction once the conflict is over. European Commission Vice President Valdis Dombrovskis said this week that between 500 and 600 billion euros will be needed for reconstruction. He added that the European Union would cover a large part of this amount and that the funds would be linked to structural reforms that Ukraine might need as an EU candidate country. There are various ideas on how to fund this effort, including confiscating Russian frozen assets, direct payments from Russia, or contributions from international donors. Let's stay on the topic of the Russian-Ukrainian conflict to talk now about gas and oil. The Ukrainian gas network operator said that it had cut off the flow of Russian gas to Europe at two key points in its pipeline network. The reason would be interference on the network by the Russian military. Gazprom, Russian state-owned company that has a monopoly on gas exports, has, for its part, instead made it known that the pipeline infrastructure would not allow such an interruption. A Ukrainian energy ministry spokesperson, however, called the Russian company's claims lies. Also on the topic of energy imports from Russia, Prime Minister Orbán's Hungary refuses to abide by European timelines on banning Russian oil imports. Orbán said last week that the current proposal amounts to dropping a nuclear bomb on the Hungarian economy. The EU had already agreed to offer Hungary an extension until 2024. Instead, Budapest's government responded by saying it needed five years and hundreds of billions to prepare for the transition. Therefore, to convince Hungary, the EU is reportedly preparing a financial aid plan for the Eastern European country. Now let's talk about international meetings and the visit of Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi to US President Joe Biden. Several topics were on the table at the meeting, including, inevitably, the war in Ukraine. On the conflict, Draghi said that we need to start asking how to build peace and the path of negotiations. It has to be the peace wanted by Ukraine and not imposed by someone else. He added that all parties must make an effort and sit around the table, including the U.S. The other topics they discussed were the possibility of capping the price of gas, the food crisis caused by the grain blockade, and renewable energies. Specifically on the latter topic, the Italian Prime Minister said we need much stronger investments in renewables to maintain the transition goals despite the energy crisis. We remain on the topic of international cooperation, but return to the European Union. Speaking in the European Parliament, Macron proposed a new European political community, which would include both EU members and non-members. The proposed new organisation would serve to speed up the entry of countries such as Moldova, Georgia, Ukraine and Western Balkan states into the Union, but also attract countries who left the EU, such as the United Kingdom. Even if tomorrow we granted them the status of candidate for membership of the EU, we all know that the process allowing them to join would take several decades. Unless we decide to lower the standards of this membership and therefore completely rethink the unity of our Europe, said the French president. Let us now change the subject and talk about the local elections that were held in the United Kingdom. The Labour Party gained 11 councils and lost six, while the Liberal Democrats now control three more councils and have significantly increased their number of councillors across Britain. The Environmental Greens Party also saw an increase in its local councils. The party with the worst result was Prime Minister Boris Johnson's Tory party. Particularly significant is the electoral result of Sinn Féin which, when the results of the constituencies are added up, obtained a total of 29% of the votes cast. Sinn Féin is the Irish party whose main political position is the union of the two Irelands. We'll stay in the UK now, but let's change the subject and talk about Brexit. The UK has rejected EU proposals to resolve the standoff over post-Brexit trade rules for Northern Ireland the proposed measures would have eliminated 80% of food controls in Northern Ireland and 50% of customs controls. The London government is now threatening to suspend some of these rules as it argues that the bureaucratic burden is crushing businesses. The agreement, which took effect in January 2021, created a customs border in the sea between Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom, angering Northern Irelanders. Let us now turn to issues that affect us all closely and talk about COVID-19. According to guidelines published by the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control and the European Union Aviation Safety Agency, it will no longer be necessary to wear a face mask on European flights. Starting next week, face masks will no longer be mandatory in all cases of air travel, largely aligning with the changing requirements of national authorities across Europe for public transport, said the executive director of the European Union Aviation Safety Agency, Patrick Keith. Now let's talk about the economy and statements made by the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde. Lagarde said that the ECB will gradually raise interest rates in the eurozone sometime after the end of net asset purchases, scheduled for the third quarter. Experts interpreted the statement as a clear sign yet that the bank is preparing to raise rates sooner than expected. If rates rise sharply for longer, we could be facing a euro crisis 2.0. Maximilian Ullier, investment strategist at Deutsche Bank, told Reuters. For the last news of the day, however, we go instead to the United States, where the debate over the possible overturning of the landmark 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling, which in effect made abortion legal in the country, is still ongoing. The first three commentaries of the day analyze a speech delivered by French President Macron at the conference on the future of Europe. Let's start with the Italian newspaper La Repubblica, Journalist Paolo Garimberti analysed the differences between Macron's speech and the military parade that took place in Moscow on the same day, while Macron affirmed the values of liberal democracies and showed Europe's future path when peace will return. At the other end of the continent, the power of arms as an instrument of politics was being exalted. Macron's speech proposed the idea of a European community of democracies, capable of accepting new members more quickly, but also recovering those who left. In this perspective, Gadimberti continues, the warning that peace will not be built on the humiliation of Russia is consistent. In particular, this latest statement seems to want to send a signal to the United States. The U.S. Secretary of Defense had in fact said he wanted to punish Russia for its aggression against Ukraine. The optimism of the French president, however, clashes with the cracks that are opening in European solidarity as the war goes on, also due to the principle of unanimity. Europe was born in the wake of the Second World War, concludes the journalist, who wonders, who knows that Europe may not be reborn again in the wake of a war that interrupted 77 years of peace in the old continent. The issue of revising the treaties for deeper European integration, as proposed by Macron, is also at the centre of the editorial published in the Belgian newspaper Le Soir. It is in this context of war that voices are raised to revise the treaties that govern the why and how of the European Union, writes journalist Philippe Regnier. Macron and Draghi are in favour of the revision, while Belgian Prime Minister De Croo says he wants to renew Europe and the European Parliament is enthusiastic. Abolishing the unanimity rule, the veto that paralyses so many decisions, is obviously the key, Regnier argues. Abolishing the veto could lead to fairer taxation and a strong voice in the world. But one should not minimize the harmful power of countries thus outvoted by qualified majority voting, the columnist warns. The revision of the treaties runs the risk of re-empowering the Eurosceptics, the nostalgic of the nation-state, the agitated national populace, Regnier explains. But Regnier is not entirely opposed to the revision, quite the contrary. As it reads in closing, revise the treaties? Yes if, as Macron says, the objective is clear, circumscribed, and strengthens the European project. The latest editorial on Macron's speech comes from French newspaper Le Monde. For the newspaper editorial staff, Macron tried to restore an old French idea, that of a multi-speed Europe. For the idea proposed, a group of more willing states should represent a vanguard, able to show the way without being hindered by others more reluctant but eager to join them. The president also called for the creation of a European political community, a confederation that would bring together countries aspiring to join the union, the editorial reads. The countries in question would be Ukraine, Moldova, Georgia and the countries of the Western Balkans. A project not entirely new, it was already presented by Mitterand in 1989, the commentator's note. According to the journalist, moreover, Macron would be trying to carve out a leading role for himself in Europe, now that Germany seems to be abandoning its historic leadership role. In conclusion, Macron's speech raises important issues but, by wanting to force unity, we risk division. As many as 13 member states did not wait until the end of his speech to reject ill-considered and premature attempts to revise the treaties. In the second series of editorials of the day, we completely change the subject and talk about abortion. According to rumors published last week by the newspaper Politico, the U.S. Supreme Court is preparing to reverse the historic Roe v. Wade ruling which made abortion legal in the country. We'll start with the Spanish newspaper El Diario. For human rights activist Diana Mendez-Adisi Zabal, it is exhausting and frustrating that for women there is never legal certainty. This permanent uncertainty forces us to constantly defend the rights recognized, writes the columnist. The eventual ruling of the U.S. court could also have effects outside the United States, Adisi Zabal explains, pushing anti-rights groups and governments to proceed in a similar way. Moreover, denying access to abortion mostly harms the health of migrant and impoverished women. International law is capable of pushing states towards removing barriers to the recognition of and access to the right to abortion, the activist argues. For example, the WHO, which published the Guidelines on Abortion Care, recommends that states decriminalize abortion and remove any barrier that prevents or hinders access to it. It is urgent that the law and judicial institutions live up to the social movements and respect for human rights, Aristizabal concludes. From Spain, let us now move to the United Kingdom to hear what the editorial staff of The Guardian newspaper thinks. Until now, universal access to abortion was guaranteed by the 1973 ruling, the journalists explain. Despite this, in some states, this right has been chipped away through stringent restrictions on abortion clinics and the doctors who work there. These include, for example, Mississippi, where only one abortion clinic is active. Several Republican states have already passed highly restrictive abortion laws in anticipation of this ruling, the editorial notes. Abortion will be illegal in about 25 states. 18 million women of childbearing age will be more than 200 miles from abortion providers, thus making it impossible for those who can't afford the long trip to get an abortion. Looking back, the editorial board writes, there is no way to ban abortion. Women who wish to have an abortion will do so anyway, but will be forced to resort to clandestine clinics and dangerous methods with consequences that can even result in the woman's death. In addition, limiting access to abortion is associated with higher infant and maternal mortality. Much of the oppression of women is based on their reproductive biology, reads the editorial's conclusion, which warns how what has been hard won can also be lost. For today's last editorial, we go instead to Germany, on the newspaper Die Welt. In their editorial, Professors James Folkes and Michaela Heilbrunner from the Universities of Munster and Gaysen, respectively, explained what the annulment of the abortion ruling would entail. From a political point of view, the draft ruling will contribute to deepening the trenches in American politics, the two professors explain. On the other hand, from a legal standpoint so far, the court ruled that women in the United States can have an abortion within the first 24 weeks of pregnancy. If Roe v. Wade was to be actually overturned, there would be neither a constitutional right to abortion nor a constitutional prohibition. Legislation governing abortion would then be left in the hands of the individual states, with all the differences involved. Perhaps it is also in the interest of social peace, as a draft ruling suggests, the columnists note if highly controversial issues are left to the decentralized regulation of individual states. Once political and legal considerations are made, however, the fact remains that the issue raises moral and constitutional questions. These, however, it concludes, do not appear to have been addressed in the draft leaked. We are at the end of our 10th episode of the podcast The Window on the World. Next week, we will continue to update you... On European and international issues. Research and writing for this episode was done by Daniel Ruzza. And behind the mic, it's me, your host, Gail Rego. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, take care and goodbye.